0: Some of you might know that my wife, Rochelle, and I met on a summer mission trip uh, to the Philippines back in 2005. And uh, we were at different mission sites on that team, but our whole team of about 60 people came together once a week for some training and debriefing. And it seemed like just every time that our whole team would come together, we just ended up sort of finding each other in those times and kind of connecting and getting to know each other a little bit. Well, at the end of our mission trip, um, our team had a big celebration and put on a program for our hosts as sort of a thank you to the, to the people who were hosting us. And it just so happened that our team leaders chose Rochelle and me to be the co MCs of that program. I was... Glad that they did. Um, And so, although our primary role was to lead the program for the rest of our team and our hosts, to be honest, as we were leading this program for all the people out there, I was actually much more focused on Rochelle, on our interaction uh, as co-emcees, wanting to sort of be funny for her and wanting to impress her. Um, And so, although we were we were really, you know, we were emceeing for the audience in front of us. My real audience was her, was Rochelle. Um, in our text today, the Apostle Paul raises this question of who our audience is in life. Um, as we are going through life, who, who is it that we are really living our life for? Who is it That that we are paying attention to, that we are kind of focused on as we're living our lives. Um, Last Sunday, we started a new sermon series for the summer on the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the the church in the city of Thessalonica, um, which Paul himself helped to start along with Silas and Timothy. We, We read last week even about how that church started. And last week, we looked at the first chapter in this letter where Paul said that uh, when he preached the gospel to the Thessalonians, they received it with joy, even though they immediately faced persecution as a result. And we talked about how they were actually, Paul says, they were a model church to others because of the way they received the gospel, the way the gospel produced fruit in them. And so now as we move into chapter 2 of this letter, We're going to see that Paul reflects back on the time when he was with them in Thessalonica. He he kind of goes back to this this time when he was ministering to them, when he was preaching the gospel, uh, before he had to abruptly leave the city because of the persecution. Uh, He sort of had to cut his ministry short and and leave because of that. So my sermon title this morning is, Who is your audience? Who's your audience? Uh, We're going to look at, at what Paul says about this question in terms of his own ministry, when he talks about who his audience was when he was ministering in in Thessalonica. And we're going to look at how we might answer that question in our lives as well. Uh, Who's our audience as we're living our lives day to day? So our text is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Um, You can follow along in your Bibles or um, we'll have the verses on the screen as well. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. This is Paul writing again to uh, the Thessalonians. He says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make Does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people. Not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for this letter that uh, you inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the the church of Thessalonica and the ways that you have spoken through this letter to believers uh, throughout the last 2,000 years. And we trust as we gather together this morning that you have a word for us today too, Lord, through this letter, through your word to us. And so give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, uh, illumine our, our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us today, in Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, uh, Paul reflects back on his visit to Thessalonica when he first preached the gospel to the people of that city. And as he he reflects on this this visit to them, he brings out a contrast between two very different approaches to ministry. Uh, He talks about, I did not come to you like this, but I did come to you like this. And so as we look about how, at how Paul talks about his own ministry among the Thessalonians, we're going to see that this contrast he brings out of his own ministry, it also applies to how we live our lives more broadly. That, that as Paul talks about, I didn't come to you like this, but I came to you like this. There's a, there's a, there's a similar reality in terms of how we live our lives. Um, so we're going to look at two ways To live. Two ways to live. Uh, When Paul talks about his ministry in Thessalonica, he gives this contrast that he did not minister among them um, in one way, but he did in another way. And the first contrast that he brings out here is the the question that I mentioned earlier, who's your audience? Uh, Paul says that there are two possible audiences for who you're living your life for. Either you are pleasing people or you are pleasing God. So that's the first contrast he brings out these two ways to live. Either pleasing people versus pleasing God. In verse 4 he says, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Paul recognizes that in, in Christian ministry, which is what he was engaged in, that there can be a tendency to make decisions based on pleasing people where the opinions of others become the primary audience that shapes how you live, how you minister. And as a pastor, I can attest to this very real struggle. Uh, People pleasing is something that I struggle with. It is something that I have struggled with for a lot of my life, Um, that I I don't want to disappoint people. Um, I don't want people to get upset with me because of a decision that I make. And so I have a temptation in my own life to focus on the question, how do I keep everyone happy rather than what does God want me or us to do, even if that means disappointing people? Can you relate to that? Do you ever feel drawn to to want to to please people, to, to make sure everybody feels good and is happy, even if maybe... What really you need to do is something that might be much harder, that might actually disappoint people. Well, this struggle, it's not unique just to pastors, it actually applies to every area of life. Um, those of you who are working in the workplace, are you primarily focused on pleasing your boss or your employees, if you're in a supervisory role, or your coworkers, even if Pleasing them might go against what God's word says. What if your boss asks you to do something dishonest? Are you willing to to displease your boss for the sake of doing what's right? Or what if pleasing your coworkers, kind of getting in good with your coworkers means gossiping and slandering someone else? Are you pleasing people or are you pleasing God? What about your family? Are you... Focused on pleasing your parents or pleasing your spouse or pleasing your kids. Now, that's not a bad thing to want to please your your spouse or your kids or your parents. But what if you're pleasing them above pleasing God in those relationships? Do you care more about having them like you than following God's instructions for how to love them? As a parent, I feel this struggle often where I want my kids to like me. I want them to to be happy with with dad, but sometimes I have to discipline them. Sometimes I have to say, you know what? What you're doing is wrong, and and to love you means that you're not going to like me right now. That's a struggle, right? Are you pleasing people or are you pleasing God? Do you care more about how your friends or your neighbors or Your followers on social media see you rather than how God sees you. Are you focused on trying to please these people, trying to project an image that that everybody will like? Or are you more concerned with how God sees you? There are all kinds of ways that we can be tempted to please people more than pleasing God. And this leads to a second contrast that Paul highlights in this passage Which is being fake versus being authentic. In verse 3, he says about his ministry, he says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. In verse 5, he says, You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. Paul, what he's saying here is that he was authentic in the way that he presented the gospel to the Thessalonians. He didn't use flattery. He didn't sort of just try to butter them up and talk about things to try to get them on his side. He didn't try to trick them. He didn't put on a mask to hide some ulterior motive. Paul says, I was real with you guys when I came to you. I was authentic. I was who I am. But one of the things that can often happen when you get focused on pleasing other people when people become your primary audience is that it can be very easy to be fake, to put on a mask in order to please them, right? If this person, if they're going to like me, if I'm a certain way, then I'm, I'm going to kind of put on this mask or I'm going to flatter them or be, in order to, to earn their, their approval. I was reading an article this week uh, that was titled uh, very appropriately, Help! I'm a people pleaser and I hate it. Um, and the author of this article described an, an interaction that she had at a party. She says that she was talking to another woman and uh, this woman she was talking to was someone that she kind of knew she was really cool, really interesting. And, and, uh, and so she sort of wanted to, to, you know, hopefully r- develop a, a friendship with this other person. And she really wanted her to think that she was just as cool and interesting as, as she was. And, but she could kind of tell as she's having this conversation with this woman that, that this woman was sort of like her eyes were getting were glazing over and she was kind of getting bored with the conversation. You could tell that she was sort of looking for an exit like, oh, there's someone over there that needs to talk to me. I, I, I think I have to go. So, so all of a sudden as, as she's talking with this woman, um, the woman said, she kind of was making this reflection. She said, oh, you know, it's absurd that my toddler can use an iPad. And this woman, the author of the article, said, oh, I know, totally. Now, I, I worry so much for kids these days. And then the woman replied, oh, do you have kids? And the author says, yes, I do. Although she didn't. She didn't have any kids. <laughs> um, but she said that she did. And so she went on to actually fabricate a story about her 11-year-old daughter who was really into sports, but she texted way too much. And so she had to put these restrictions on her cell phone usage and went on and on kind of talking about this story about this 11-year-old daughter that didn't exist. Why did she make up a story about having a child? Because that's what interested the other woman. That's what would keep her in the conversation. She wanted to be liked and she was willing to be completely fake in order to achieve that do you ever hide your real opinion about something because you know that someone else thinks differently from you and you want them to assume that you agree with them even though you don't do you do you hide kind of what you really think because you really want to please that other person Have you ever exaggerated a story to impress someone? Do you ever feel like you have to put on a happy face around certain people for them to like or accept you even when you're not feeling very happy, even when you feel like you're you're actually feeling kind of depressed or or discouraged and and you just sort of put this, this face on? When you're living your life for the praise and acceptance of other people, it's very tempting to be fake in order to achieve that. Now, one other contrast that Paul brings out in this passage is getting versus giving. And this also stems from this question of who's your audience, of who is it that you're living your life for. When you're seeking to please people, you might think that your focus is on giving. Um, it's, it's, It's sort of giving to that other person in order to please them. But in reality, people-pleasing is really all about getting. It's actually very self-centered. You're focused on getting approval, on receiving praise, receiving respect, and acceptance from other people. And, And so even the giving that you might do to try to please that other person, what it's really about is trying to get something for yourself in return. I was watching an episode of uh, comedian David Letterman's new show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. And um, on one of the episodes that, uh, that Letterman was, was, was talking with a, with a guest, he was reflecting on his experience of hosting a you know, his light, late night talk show for over 30 years. And in this interview, as he's talking to this person, he confessed that really much of what he did on that show was actually very self-centered. Um, you know, He says, of course, you know, he wanted his audience to, to, be, to be pleased. He wanted them to have a good time. He wanted to give his best comedy to them. But, but like many performers, he really wanted to get something from the audience. He wanted their laughter, their applause, their praise. When you live your life to please other people, when other people are your audience, often your ultimate goal is, is really to get something from them for yourself. But the Apostle Paul paints a very different picture of his purpose in going to Thessalonica. In verses 6 and 8, Paul says, we were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul says that he and Silas and Timothy, they weren't looking to get anything from the Thessalonians, but instead they were eager to give of themselves. It says both the gospel and actually sharing our lives with you, that we are willing to give to open ourselves up to you. How did Paul get this very different perspective? How was it that he was able to choose to please God rather than pleasing people? How is he able to be so authentic and real instead of fake, instead of putting on a mask? How is he able to truly focus on giving in a selfless kind of way where he didn't care for anything in return rather than actually just trying to get something for himself? How did that happen for Paul and how can that happen for us? How can we begin to live in this other way? Well, it's not that Paul was just more disciplined or more focused or that he willed himself to live like this. No, the reason that Paul lived the way that he did was because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel transformed him and the gospel transforms us. So let's take a look at how the gospel transforms us from pleasing people to pleasing God, from being fake to authentic, from being from being about getting to being about giving. How does the gospel do that in us? Well, the starting point of receiving the gospel is to acknowledge our brokenness and sin before God. And when Paul talks about pleasing God in verse 4, he refers to God who tests our hearts. God tests and knows our hearts. He knows that we often do focus way more on pleasing other people than pleasing him. That we do that in our workplace, that we do it in our families, that we do it with our friends, that we even do it in ministry. And he sees those moments when we put on a mask to please other people when we're not fully authentic, guess what? We might try to fake and fool other people, but we can't fool God. He sees that. He knows it. He knows our hearts. And he knows when we often focus more on what we can get from other people than giving selflessly. He knows our hearts. We are exposed before God. And so we are invited to be honest, like David Letterman was, about our self-centeredness. To just acknowledge it before God that we have lived our lives with people as our primary audience and that we often push God off to the side. And that even sometimes our service to God is more about pleasing other people and getting recognition from them. Now, brothers and sisters, I have to tell you that God has every right to condemn us for this because he alone deserves to be our audience. We should be seeking to please him in everything that we do. That's what he deserves. And we have not given God what we owe him. God could easily collect on our debt And we would face the dire consequences of our rebellion and our self-centered living. But thanks be to God that in his mercy, he doesn't do that. He doesn't come at us demanding that we pay him back for what we have taken from him. No, God actually became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus did everything that we failed to do. He lived his life to please his father perfectly. Jesus wasn't living his life for the crowds. He was living his life for the father. and, And there was nothing fake about Jesus. He was completely authentic and real with who he was. There was no need for him to pretend to be anything other than who he was. And he continually gave and gave and gave sacrificially, not expecting anything in return. He was not about trying to get something from his followers. He was about giving. And he did that to such an extent that ultimately he gave his own life on the cross for his followers, for you, and for me. And the reason he gave himself on the cross was to pay for our failures, to pay for our rebellion. He took the condemnation that we deserve upon himself. And because Jesus did all of that for us, we can now be forgiven for our rebellion. God no longer remembers our debt or our failure. We are credited with Christ's perfect righteousness. So now God looks at us as his beloved children in whom he is well-pleased that he's pleased with us, not because of anything that we've done for him, but because of what Christ has done for us. At the end of verse 12 in our text, Paul says that God calls you into his kingdom and glory. We don't deserve that at all. But God graciously calls us into his kingdom, into his glory as forgiven and cleansed, sons and daughters of God. So if that is the gospel, if that is what Jesus has done for us, how does receiving that message make a difference in in how we live our lives in these two ways? Well, I want to go back to that opening story I told you about my wife and I, right? About Rochelle. When 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 we were leading that closing program for our teammates and our hosts, and who is my real audience? It was Rochelle, right? I mean, I was doing this thing out for the audience, but my attention was really on her. I was focused on her even when I was speaking and acting for the people who were watching the program. Why was that? Why was I so focused on Rochelle? It was because I was drawn to her for who she was. I was drawn to her beauty both inside and out. I I felt known and appreciated by her. She took an interest in me. And although, you know, this is the very beginning, we weren't even dating at that time, and we wouldn't have necessarily labeled it in that way at that moment, but really, it was the beginning of the reality that has grown into the fact that, that she loves me, and that I love her. That's why she was my audience, because, of, because she was this person who was worthy of my attention. When we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, it transforms us, that we now are drawn to our God for who he is, for what he's done for us. We are drawn to his beauty. That he is this amazing one that how can we not live our lives for this one who has died for us, for this one who loves us with an everlasting love. He becomes our true audience even when we're living our lives in the midst of lots of other people. So now... We can please God because he's already pleased with us in Christ. That's why we can please God. We can please God because he's already pleased with us in Christ. Because of the gospel, because God is already pleased with us, we want to please him now. We want to live our lives for him. And also the opinions of other people, they're just not as significant anymore. Because they pale in comparison to the amazing grace of our Lord. I mean, why would I spend my time worrying about trying to please this person and please this other person and trying to win their approval when I have eternal approval from God? When he is pleased with me, I can rest in that. And I can please him now instead of pleasing all these other people. Also, we can now be authentic because we are already accepted by God. We can be authentic because we're already accepted by God. We often wear those fake masks. Why? Because we're afraid of not being accepted by other people. And so we feel like we need to act a certain way so that they will accept us. But in Christ, we're already accepted by God. He loves us, accepts us, while also knowing everything about us. He knows our brokenness. He knows the junk that's in us and he still accepts us because of, of Christ. And so we can be authentic with him. Right? We can acknowledge that before him because he already knows it and he still loves us. But that also means we can be authentic with other people because our value is no longer dependent on whether or not they accept us or not. Because God does. Our acceptance is secure in Christ. And finally, we can give freely... Because God has already given us all that we need. The reason that we get so focused on getting things from other people is because we feel a lack. A lack of approval or a lack of respect. And so we're trying to get these things from other people. But in Christ, God has already given us all that we need. We lack nothing. And so there's no longer any need to try to get anything from anyone else. We are now free to give to give to others, because we don't have to hold on to that because God has given us all we need. When Paul arrived in Thessalonica, he knew that God was pleased with him so he could focus on pleasing God rather than pleasing other people. He knew he was accepted by God so he didn't need to wear a mask or be fake about anything. He could be authentic and not worry about how other people were responding to him. He knew that God had given him all that he needed and that freed him to be able to give abundantly. In our passage, it says that he not only shared the gospel, but he gave his own life for them. He shared his life with them. He describes himself as a nursing mother caring for her children, like a father dealing with his children, encouraging, comforting, urging them to live lives worthy of God. Paul was doing that not to get anything from them, but because. He has received what he needed from God, and so he was able to give and give and give out of that to the people he was ministering to. When Paul was ministering to the Thessalonians, his audience was one person, Jesus Christ. That's how he lived his life. So who is your audience in your life? Who are you living your life for? Are you trying to please people? Or are you seeking to please the God who's already pleased with you in Christ? Do you feel the need to be fake in order to earn acceptance? Or are you able to be completely authentic because you've already been accepted in Christ? Are you trying to get things from other people? Or are you free to give because you know you've been given all you need in Christ? If you recognize, like I recognize, that often I am pleasing other people, that I am guilty of these things, guess what? We have a God who invites us to come to confess that to him and to receive his forgiveness again, to receive his his proclamation that he is pleased with us. And as we hear that, it transforms us. Brothers and sisters, hear this gospel again today. God is pleased with you. You are accepted completely. God has given you all that you need. Why can I say that? Because of Jesus. Because of the cross. Because Jesus has given you all of this. And so let us live our lives for the one who gave his life for us. He alone is our audience. And we live for him not to earn anything, but simply to worship and thank him in response. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that we so often are living our lives for other people, that we are so concerned about other people's approval and acceptance, and Lord, that we, uh, that sometimes causes us to be fake, to not be authentic about, about our, what we really think or who we really are, and and Lord, we are often so concerned about trying to get something from the people in our lives because we're so hungry for their acceptance and approval. And Lord, we, we acknowledge this before you, that we are broken people. That we are sinful, that we are rebellious, that we are often caught up in this other way of living, Lord. We need you to rescue us from this, to save us from this. We need you to pluck us out of this to to tell us, Lord, that that we have all that we need in you. We need to hear your words to us that, that, that you look at us as your beloved sons and daughters, that you approve of us because of Christ, that you accept us because of Jesus, that you have cleansed us from all of our sin and that you've given us all that we need. Lord, hammer that into our hearts because we so easily forget it and we so easily look elsewhere for our, fulfill, our fulfillment. We pray, God, that you do that in our hearts and as, as you transform us to see you in all of your glory and your grace, Lord, it is ridiculous that you love us like this, that you choose us, that you invite us into your kingdom and your glory when we are so often caught up in our own kingdoms. Lord, help us to see you in your beauty and your glory and your grace that would draw us to have you as our only audience in our lives, to live our lives for you, to give freely, to be real, and to seek to please you in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.